Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. real little and my brother was was two years younger than me I think my brother was probably two years old when he left and I was probably about four and my dad um, was in Japan for like 15 months away from us as a family but his job was to fly this jet fighter plane they would send him up every now and then and his job was to fly around with an atomic bomb Okay, this is the height of, you know, in the late 50s there, this was the height of the Cold War. I mean, you know, China had fallen to communism, North Korea, had, that whole Korean War had gone on, and um, <clears throat> all of these problems. But his job is fly around with the atomic bomb and just wait to see if they ordered him to, to do anything with it. And, and the plan was this, and back in those days, the, the fighter planes aren't like they are now. They weren't nearly as powerful as they are now. But his job would be to fly, if, if, if they gave the order, and over here is the, the target, to fly in and, and, and dive down to increase as much speed as possible, and then to level out, and then at the proper time at the distance to do this, to sharply pull up and release the bomb. And that bomb was going to fly. And he was going to do this, barrel roll out, and try to get away. But the reality was is they never knew if they would be able to get far enough away from the bomb blast not to be killed in it. That was his mission. And, and really, it meant that he had to be ready and willing to do whatever, right? Whatever it took to accomplish the mission. Well, we have a mission as Christians. And that's what we want to talk about today. Why? What's, what's the big deal about this mission that we talk about that God has given us? So let's pray again. Father, I, I ask that as we look to your word today and consider the mission that you've entrusted to us, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us those things we need to hear and understand, maybe reminded of, challenged about, encouraged about. Father, we need to hear from you today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, probably the, the uh, description of the mission in the Bible that might be the most uh, clear to us and, and easy to get a handle on is found in the Gospel of Matthew. So turn to Matthew chapter 28, if you would. A lot of you are already really familiar with that. Jesus is preparing uh, to leave his disciples behind once and for all. He's already died, dying for their sins, rising again. Uh, they have been with him for uh, 40 days, and he is preparing to leave the earth. And then he gives them these final instructions. In fact, let's, let's start in verse number 16. Uh, by the way, we're on page 1150 in the Bible that's there in the pew. And if you don't have a Bible, we really encourage you to follow along with us and use that one that's in the pew, page 1150. <clears throat> so let's start in verse number 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some Doubted. Isn't it interesting that after having seen Jesus for all this time, <clears throat> uh, for having seen him all this time, uh, uh, risen from the dead, that there was still this sense of doubt. Doubt about what are we supposed to be doing? You've told us you're going away and we don't know what to make of all this. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven, excuse me, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we see here that this, this commission that we have, this is referred to as the Great Commission, just like you who have been in the military, if you're an officer, you've got an officer's commission, you have a commission, and, and there's certain things that go with it. And what you want to see is the first thing is uh, this mission that we have comes with the highest authority. Okay? And Jesus said, I, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go do this, all right? So it's high, high authority. Uh, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Well, <clears throat> depending on how you grew up and what you heard about the Bible and religious stuff, when you hear disciples, you might think, what? Well, oh, that's Peter, James, John, those guys, you know, who hung around with Jesus. And you'd be right. But the word disciples applies to many more people than that. In fact, what a disciple is this? A disciple is a follower of Jesus on Jesus' terms, okay? Very simply, it's the idea of a follower, a follower of Jesus, but it's a follower of Jesus on Jesus' terms. Well, what are Jesus' terms for discipleship, for being a disciple of his, a follower of his? Well, first one is that you have to be born again. In other words, you have to come to understand that, that you were born as a sinner, I mean, every one of us were born with a sinful nature, uh, independent from God, wanting to do our own thing. You know, we come first. That's the way we're naturally born. And then we live that way through life. And whether we made it look good on the outside or it doesn't look good on the outside, whether our mess was evident to everybody or it was evident only to us and God, the mess was there. And the Bible says that if we die in that condition, separated from God, we will stay separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's what our sins earn us. But the Bible tells us the good news, that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, lives that perfect and sinless life, dies on the cross for us, for our sins, paying the penalty. And that if we will acknowledge that, yeah, we have blown it, we, we have messed up, we, we're sinners, we need a Savior. And we'll believe that Jesus did die for our sins and rose again from the dead. Believe that he is the Lord, that the Bible says that he is. We'll believe that we can then place our faith in him. We say, oh, Jesus, I now trust you to forgive all of my sins, to be my Savior. You are my Lord, right? And we can surrender to him in that. And when we do, he says that um, every sin is forgiven. Every sin we ever have committed or ever will commit is forgiven. Uh, he says that when this life is over, we go to heaven to be with him. We have eternal life like that. And then he says that God himself comes to live inside of us and we are born again. See, we get a new life deep down inside. That's the first term, requirement, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus. And the second is that he is Lord. In fact, in, in Romans chapter 10, when it talks about how we're saved, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's right. Okay? We have to accept him for who he is. He is Lord. 
And so we, we were born again, we trust Christ, we, we become a believer in Christ, a Christian, and then we, we live the rest of our life. He is Lord. He's the one who decides what we do, when we do, how we do it. All the stuff that he's told us in his word about what to believe and how to live, it's, it's what we need to believe and how to live, okay? So that's following Jesus on his terms. But I want you to understand this, that Jesus expects every person who receives Christ as Savior to be a follower of his on his terms. And if you truly have been born again, you want to do that. Now, you may have problems, and you may have lots of things that get in the way, but you've been changed on the inside, and you want to follow Jesus on his terms. You want to live as though he is Lord of your life because he is. And so he says this, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this water baptism uh, by immersion, putting them under the water and back up, telling everybody, showing everybody, I have received Christ as Savior. And, and uh, so this is an indication of that first term of salvation and also an indication of the second term because I'm obeying him by getting baptized. And then teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And what has he commanded us? Right? This word, and understanding his word properly. All the things in the New Testament. And understanding the Old Testament in light of the New. And so we, we begin to, uh, if we're making disciples, begin to learn and grow and teach these things to people. And then he says, I am with you. On this mission. It's interesting that, that when we think of military missions, there is uh, a sense in which the guy who gives the order is seldom on the battlefield, right? The, the guy who says, gives the order to go is usually back somewhere else, but not Jesus. The one who says to go, goes with us. Goes with, that's good news, isn't it? So this is just an overview of the mission that he's given us, and we call it the Great Commission, our mission here, to go and make disciples. Well, so I want to answer, talk, ask three questions and try to answer them today. First of all, so what is this mission? What is it? What's involved in it? Secondly is, how do we do it? And the third question is, what does it require of us? What does the mission require? require of us. So let's start off with the first one. What is this mission? Well, we just read it, didn't we? It's the mission is that the Lord has commanded us to go and make disciples. Go and get people to become followers of him on his terms, okay? That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? There is no other command really that's at the heart of this mission other than that, to go and make disciples. Everything else is about that. Everything that we do or don't do is ultimately about this mission. And so if we are going to obey the Lord, we must be making disciples. Now, this mission is not just given to the church. It's given to the church and the members of it. In other words, it is, is as the church, he has given us this mission. We as a church together, our ministries together, are, are to be about making disciples. And your ministry as an individual Christian is to be about making disciples. That is the mission. 
And then we see that it, this mission starts wherever we are. It starts where we are. And then how far is it supposed to go? What do we read? Go therefore into all the world. To everywhere. And in the book of Acts, Jesus, part of what he said at this time was he says that you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I don't know about you, when I was in school and I learned grammar, if I said both, how many things was I talking about? Two things. And Jesus says both, you shall be witness to me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. That is more than two, isn't it? All right, it, 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 we can solve this pretty quickly because when the, in the Greek language behind this, when it says both, what it's trying to say to us is that these are at the same time, okay? It's not, just the, it's not trying to tell us that there are two things to do. He's trying to say that we need to be trying to reach our area right around us and the region around us and in our nation and the whole world and to be working on this all at the same time. Well, how do we do that? I mean, I get we're supposed to do it ourselves here and now, right? In your neighbors, where your coworkers, your family, we get that. But how do we do it beyond us? Well, we do it by praying for the people, for the Christians who are there. We do it by giving money to help support people there. We're doing it right now. We could say today that, that we are having a, a ministry. We're trying to make disciples here in the greater Worcester area, right? And right now what we're doing is really about that as well. And we're also putting it out live streaming into the region around us, okay? We support uh, some missions efforts that are all across our nation. And we have missionaries that we support all around the world who many of them have already met today with their people, some still will later today. And, and realize that we, we have a part in Amy Beth going. And so all at once, see, we're trying to do all of these. But what we don't want to get in our mindset is that this is somehow about what's happening out there somewhere, making disciples. It's about the missionary making disciples. No, it's about us making disciples here us as a church, and you and me as individual members of it. You see, the way we make disciples, let's just think in our own lives. You're here today, and you're growing, hopefully. If you know the Lord is your Savior, you're here to, to open up your heart to Him and say, I want to hear from you, Lord, and, and you're wanting to grow in your understanding of those things. You're becoming a better disciple today. That's, that's one of the ways that you make disciples, by you becoming a better disciple, becoming a more faithful disciple, becoming a more knowledgeable disciple, a more surrendered disciple, a more spirit-filled disciple. You're becoming a better disciple yourself. But it's more than that. It's you helping all of these people around you, your brothers and sisters, to also become better disciples. And so you're conscious, I want to help my brothers and sisters, and so that means I need to speak an encouraging word to them. I need to know what's happening in their lives so that I can pray for them. I need to maybe come alongside and help them with something. I need to encourage them to come be involved in something. But you're consciously thinking about the people in your church family. How do I help them become better disciples? It's more than that, though. 
And this is where we need to understand something. Very often there's in our, our, I think, our modern American Christian culture, we have come to think of discipleship as something different than evangelism. Okay, we have evangelism. If you don't know what that word means, okay, what that means is the idea of sharing the gospel with people and trying to see people come to Christ, receive Christ, like I talked about earlier, becoming born again. Evangelism, and then, then there's discipleship. But that's wrong. In fact, I would tell you that if evangelism is not discipleship, we ought not be doing it. Because what did Jesus say? Make disciples. Okay? And so what we ought to understand is that evangelism, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with someone, preaching the good news to someone, that is part of evangelism. Because what are we doing? We're trying to make a disciple. Now, are you with me on that? I mean, seriously, if you're not, let me know, because I want to... I want to be real clear on that. So we're trying to make disciples when we're sharing the gospel. We're trying to get someone to come to Christ and follow him. Okay? But this is important. So what we start to understand is it doesn't end there either then, does it? It doesn't end with getting somebody saved. No, when someone gets saved, they are just beginning this journey. They begin to follow Christ on his terms. And so then we help them to grow. And we help them to become Better disciples. And now here's the real key part, which I'll mention again a little bit more later. Part of being a faithful disciple is that you now help to make disciples. So here we are. We're sharing the gospel with this person. So this person comes and gets saved. And wow, this is all new. And they're starting to learn. They got problems in their life. And we're trying to help them. And part of this whole thing is we tell them what? You need to be sharing your faith with somebody over here and helping them to become disciples. There is no spiritual maturity if you are not actively, consciously involved in trying to make disciples. You can know your Bible inside out, but if you aren't on purpose figuring out how do I help to make disciples, from beginning to end. In other words, if you aren't reproducing yourself and working on reproducing, that's not spiritual maturity. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And I say, go make disciples. That's what he has called us to do. And that's what the command is. Well, how do we do it then? How do we, we make disciples? And it's interesting at this point that with, when we open up the Bible and look at it, there are lots of examples and lots of statements and things, but when it comes to us as a church figuring out how do we make disciples, God doesn't give us a detailed blueprint of how to do that. Okay? But there is something that he does give us. He gives us a big, overarching... Uh, principles, guidelines, you might say, for, for what we are to be doing. And, and really, let me just sum it up like this. Here's how we make disciples. We make disciples by preaching, teaching, and living out the gospel. That's how we do it. Now, you might say, okay, preaching, preaching, huh? That's your job, Walt. Well, it is my job, okay? But that isn't what he's talking about. 
The Greek word that's translated preach in our Bible really means the idea of proclaiming, sharing, telling the good news. And so every time you share the good news with somebody, you share the gospel with somebody, every time that you do that, that falls under the category of preaching. You know, in, in uh, Jerusalem, there in the book of Acts, when it said, all of, you know, the Saul was persecuting the Christians and the Christians were taken off and running everywhere. And it says, everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. And they were not all preachers. So you get that? All right, so we make disciples by sharing the good news with people who need to know it. And then we, we uh, continue that Hang on a second here. I'm having one of those senior moments. <laughs> Hang on. I haven't had to do this for a long time. Oh, there we go. That's right. <laughs> Same thing with teaching this, right? With teaching it. Teaching it, again, you think of a formal lesson instruction. No, it isn't. You know, I've learned so many things by just being with somebody and having a conversation with them. Sometimes the most important things. Or they showed me how to do something. And I've learned a lot of information in classes. I have learned a lot of information. It's good information. But I think the things that I've learned that have been the most helpful in, in life, whether it's Christian or not, is those times when somebody has spent time with me and showed me, explained to me. They taught me. And so we can all do that with each other. And, and, and then finally living out the gospel. Living out the gospel. See, this is, again, one of these things where we tend to think wrongly about it. If we have this spectrum, right? Here's evangelism, getting people saved, and then helping them to become faithful disciples, follow Christ, who also do evangelism. We tend to think of the gospel as being over here, don't we? The gospel's for people who need to get saved. That's not the way the Bible talks about the gospel. The gospel is for all of it. Because there's a lot of good news there, isn't there? That's what the word gospel means. The good news is that I can be saved, my sins can be forgiven, and I can have life with Christ. The good news is that Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit, excuse me, comes and lives inside of me. God comes and lives inside of me, begins working. The good news is that I have the word of God, which tells me everything that I need to know about life and godliness and goes down in my heart and discerns the thoughts and tends my heart. The good news is that I have a, a body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ who strengthen me and build me up. The good, you see what I'm saying? It's all gospel. As we live that out, see, that's how we make disciples. We make ourselves a better disciple, and then we preach it, teach it, and share it with others and, and do it together with them, continually making new disciples and reaching more new disciples. Now, so we don't have a lot of details. It doesn't tell us, okay, you should meet at this time in this place or you should use this method for teaching it or you should worship it. We just don't have that kind of information. And I think that God has left us that way for two reasons. One is so that we can be flexible to meet the needs of our setting and our situation. You know, we don't think like missionaries as much as we ought to. When missionary goes someplace, if a missionary went and said, I'm going to build Life Source Church someplace, and we're going to do everything exactly the way Life Source Church does it, and he's going to the middle of Africa and going to do that, how well do you think it's going to work? It's not. He has to learn how do those people think? How do they respond? How does their culture work? What's going to work and be effective in this culture? And so, see, God left it very flexible so that we could do that. At the same time, I think he didn't tell us because he wants us to be asking him. 
He wants us to be dependent on him. He wants us to be coming to him and saying, oh God, how do we do this job? We need your wisdom. We need your spirit to lead us. And so uh, we preach, teach, and live the gospel in these ways. Now, having said that, there are three major aspects that are a part of this preaching, teaching, particularly living the gospel, I would say. And the first one is salvation, right? We've already talked about that one. Getting people to where they are saved and they understand what it means to be saved. They understand how they have a relationship with Christ. And they understand that God is the one who's going to keep that relationship and what their role is. So this whole salvation aspect of it. And then we move from there into transformation. God's intent is that everybody who gets saved gets changed. And I'm so glad he's working on changing me. (laughs) Oh, boy, sometimes it's not very much fun. Have you noticed that? But it's good. It's so good. And so transformation, transformation of our mind and how we think, transformation of our hearts and what we love, transformation of our habits and how we live, transformation, good stuff. And here's the third aspect of this whole disciple-making process multiplication and I'm not talking about three times two but what I am talking about is that God's intent is that not only do I get saved not only do I get transformed but now I help somebody else get saved and I help somebody else get transformed so that they too will help somebody else get saved and someone get transformed And that that person will also. You see what I'm saying? And so as we consider our disciple-making process as a church, this is crucial that that we look and say, what's the best ways to do this? How do we accomplish this? Because I think what happens in a lot of churches, and and it's it's even, it's always a dynamic that's there. It even pushes in on us. And that's that we, we focus on getting people saved, and we focus on getting people transformed, and there's no multiplication. We, we aren't, that doesn't, in our mind, doesn't enter our mind as part of what it means to be a disciple, and it needs to. And so we've got to figure out how do we do that. And, and here's the reality then. You know, how do we do this? We have to depend on the Lord. And I already said that. We've got to depend on God. This is where prayer comes in. Praying together about this thing. We have to depend on Him. And then um, we have to be willing. Now Listen. We have to be willing to set aside our traditions, our opinions, our preferences, anything, our personal comfort. We've got to be willing to set that aside as needed to accomplish the mission. You say, I don't know, I kind of like church the way it is. Me too been good and it is good but the idea is we always have to stay open and say God what do we do how do we do this better do we need to adjust something do we need to increase something do we need to stop something all of those things and seek him on that but because we got to understand here's the reality let's look at Jesus and how he thought about this whole aspect so let's put those verses up there if you would John and I know that's small so I'll, I'll read it for you It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty 
might become rich. He became poor. Do we even comprehend what it means for Jesus to, who God Almighty, as we sang today, to take on a human body and live in a sin-cursed world? He set aside some things, didn't he? All right, and let's go to the next verse. He prayed in the garden, you remember, as he looked forward to what he was going to be going through. He says, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. I really don't feel like doing this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so when we're talking about making disciples and what's the best way to do that, there may be things that are going to come along that we say, man, I don't know, I don't really feel like I want to do that. But God, I want to do what you want me to do. And we do that. And one more, when it talks about him on the cross in the book of Hebrews, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, our example here, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And as we make disciples, there may be things from time to time that we have to endure. It isn't necessarily what we would choose at all, but we endure it. Why? Because of the joy that God has set before us. What this is going to do and accomplish is going to be way worth it. I don't know if that's that good grammar. It's going to be way, way worth it. So sometimes we just got to endure. And we do it because we love God and we're on a mission with him. And so we need to make disciples. And, and we look at our lives and, and we say, you know, what's, what belongs here and what doesn't? And, and the third, third thing we want to ask is this. Um, what does it require of us? What does it require of us? Well, I would say to you that this is what we were created for, to glorify God by carrying out his will. From the very beginning, God told Adam and Eve, he created them in his image and said, exercise dominion over the world. Go do my work here. And so now our work today is to make disciples. That's what we were made for. And so what we have to do is we have to begin looking at our lives, our personal lives. I've talked about we need to do this as a church, but you need to do it as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. You need to look at your own life, and you need to say, hey, is my whole life online with this mission? Have I, have I brought it online to, to be part of this mission? My, my marriage and my family. Do I see my marriage and my family as being about accomplishing God's mission? I need to. It's about us becoming better disciples in our family. And it's about us as a family, letting God use us to make disciples. Then there's job and career. Let me back up just a minute and say to you, I should have said this, it's interesting. Um, They told my father, when he went into the Marines at some point in there, because I think when he had to leave and leave his family behind, and it wasn't official policy, but he was told, listen, if the Marines wanted you to have a wife, they would have issued you one. <laughs> but the reality is for us as Christians, that for me, God has issued me a wife. And if he's issued me a wife, it's because we're to be making disciples somehow. Right? It needs to be about this. So we bring our families online with this. Our jobs and our careers. 
Okay? Our job and our careers. Uh, you say, well, how can that be? I mean, some of you can say, well, I can see how my job could be. By the, but here's the deal. You go out and live as, as a Christian and with the desire and intent to make disciples in your job and in, in your career choices. You think, what would help me to be faithful in making disciples? And you say, well, how can I do that at work? How many of you feel like when you go to work, it's sort of like going into enemy territory? Yeah, a bunch of you. Okay. During the Vietnam War, and not that that's the greatest example of how to do a war. But during the Vietnam War, when they became aware that there was, uh, the enemy was someplace in the area, they would fly the troops out and drop them out there to find and engage the enemy. And I guarantee you, if you go to work, you start tomorrow and say, God, I'm going to enemy territory and I'm, I'm on your mission. I'm going there. I want to make disciples. And maybe the only disciple that gets made there is me learning how to trust you in this situation, me learning how to follow the spirit. But I'm going to go and my job is going to become about making disciples. And if you give me opportunity, I'm going to share my faith with somebody. You see what I mean? It can become about that. Your hobbies. Your relaxation, the things that you do for leisure, those kinds of things need to be brought online. And if it can't, and by the way, just legitimate rest, relaxation is valuable in the mission because you need to rejuvenate yourself so you, know, you stay fresh and able to do what you need to do. But we all know that our leisure activities and our hobbies can get carried away. And, and we've got to figure out how to bring those things online with the Lord. All of our stuff, all of our money, every opportunity, Every relationship, we need to make sure that we're bringing that online for the Lord. And make sure it's about making disciples, being on the mission. And the final thing with, with what it requires of us, it requires of us beginning to have the heart and mind of Jesus and approaching our lives his way. In the Gospel of John, down toward the end, Jesus says this words. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. So you and I need to go like Jesus into the world. That's our mission. And so when I think about who Jesus was, what his heart was like, what his passions were for, all of those kinds of things, I think we see this. If we're going to be like Jesus going out into the world, we must have a relentless pursuit of our real love relationship with our Heavenly Father. I mean, I've got to be in the Word. I've got to be meditating on the Word. I've got to be talking with Him. I've got to be trying to figure out how to walk in the Spirit. And I have to keep that relationship growing and powerful. And then I also need to have a growing love commitment to my church family. If we're going to carry out this mission as the Lord, I mean, how did He love us? <laughs> right? We need to love each other that way and be committed to that and growing it. And then we need an increasing burden for people who don't yet know Christ. Was Jesus burdened for a world that needed a Savior? Are you? Am I? See, we need an increasing burden for all those people out of the day. And you know who they are. That, that, are, that don't know the Lord yet. And if they die in that condition, they're going to be separated from God forever in a horrible place. And you have what they need. You, you can make a disciple here. But even more than that, 
we're going to have this mindset and heart set of Jesus as we go do this mission, we need to devote our entire lives to him. Every moment, every day, my life is yours, Lord. Then I need to say, I am willing to do whatever it takes, Father, to accomplish your mission. I'm willing to do that. And then we need faith, faith faith-based boldness that makes us willing to step out and take what looks like big risks for the Lord, put ourselves on the line in places, put ourselves on the line in our personal relationships with people, put ourselves on the line in our finances, put ourselves on the line with whatever, because we know God and we believe him, and so we're gonna take those big faith-based steps. And all of this is gonna require a, a deepening dependence on God. Every step of becoming a better disciple ought to also be a step not of becoming more self-sufficient, but becoming more God-dependent. In other words, the more I understand that when I got saved, I realized I was absolutely dependent on God to save me. What other thing I could do to save myself? Well, guess what? The same way you receive Christ, the same way you live. I gotta do this. Right. I gotta depend on God for that. And every step of the way, I gotta depend on God. And I need to be multiplying myself. I gotta depend on God for this. And and so we deepening dependence on God. And then finally, an eternal perspective on life. It's so easy for us as Christians, I think especially living in a country like ours where we are so, uh, uh, have so much material goods, don't we? I mean, you might feel like you don't have much, but go visit the world and find out what you have. You know, most of us here, probably all of us here today are not really worried whether or not we're gonna have something to eat today. And so here we are, it's easy for us to start thinking life is about here and now. It's about what I'm doing today and what I'm doing tomorrow and what my plans are and I want a bigger this and I want a better that and I want an easier something else. This life is gonna, you know, I mean the reality is those of you who are getting up there like me, how fast does life go by? How fast? Seriously, I mean it moves, doesn't it? The longer you go, the faster it goes. And we're going to get to the end of this life and we're going to feel like the life was just like that and then eternity's coming. We are fools if we live as if this life is the most important thing. When eternity is going to be forever and what we do with this little bit of time here is going to make a difference forever. So we need an eternal perspective on life. Jesus had an eternal perspective on what he was doing. And so, I want to challenge you that we make a commitment to this mission. We yield and surrender to God's mission for it. We surrender to it without hesitation. We surrender to it without reservation. We don't hold anything back. Let's go do it. And here's what you're going to find. You will find that this really is what you were made for. When you get serious about helping to make disciples and get out there, you're going to start to have life. It's going to happen. You're going to become alive. And as, as crazy as it sounds, soldiers who have been in battle, oftentimes when they come back 
to their normal life. They struggle because they find their normal life, as terrible as war was, they find their normal life boring. And they, they will say that they never felt more alive than when they were out there in the middle of that battle. And now that's, that's a bad thing. That causes all sorts of problems for people in life. But I tell you this, when you get out there in the battle for the Lord and you say, my life is going to be about making disciples. I'm on this mission. I'm going to be faithful in this mission. And you, you work at that mission. It's going to make you more alive than you've ever been. And it'll be, it's what you were made for. It's what you were made for. What would God do if every one of us here today leaves with that mindset, I'm going out in the world today to make disciples. I'm gonna make myself a better disciple. I'm gonna help other Christians become better disciples. And I'm gonna help some people who don't know him yet become disciples. What, what would he do? This is what he's about, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this mission that you've entrusted to us. Lord, all the things we talked about, the greatness of this mission. Lord, help us to see, because it's not natural to us, Father, to see and understand how everything that we do should be connected to this mission. But help us to see it, understand it. May we talk with each other and pray for each other and, and we can figure this out by your grace. And then, Lord, that you would use us. As we're on mission, I pray that you would use us to make disciples in ways that would just be like the book of Acts, where we just see you doing amazing things because they were about making disciples, about honoring you, glorifying you by making disciples. And I do pray, Father, if we have people here today who haven't taken that first step, haven't received your son as savior. I pray that right now, if they're able to, they would respond to you and, and trust your son. If not, I pray that they would write it on a card and turn it in that they want help with it or they'd talk to the person who invited them and say that they want to know more about that. I pray, Father, that they'll come to know you. Be glorified in us in ways we can only imagine. I pray it in Jesus' name.